You should have gone to university, pal. Hey, Pat's an astronaut. Look at this. Look at this. Tonight, Fong Slappers is rated M for mature audiences and contains adult themes, coarse language, and nudity. Simo and Redman are the Fong Slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. G'day everyone and thank you for joining us for the Thong Slappers podcast episode 31. I'm Simo, I'm here with Redmond. How are you going mate? Are you on board here today? Yes I sure am Simo. Welcome everybody back to Australia's first and only dedicated streetcar podcast going out at the moment to 2.7 million listeners so that's something we're rather proud of and enjoying. It doesn't really matter I suppose that 2.699999981 of those listeners aren't real. Well they could be that um, you called the harmonica a mouth organ and that guy hung up. Well, I won the belching contest at work. <laughs> Very nice, Homer. Sorry, we just had to wipe out a really big part of the podcast because it was <laughs> that, that so went, fucking terrible. Like that's going just, to the blacklist stuff that goes along yeah, with it. Yeah, it'd get us. I don't know, blacklisted from. Yeah, Remember okay. the stuff we had to wipe out from the convoy? Yes. Times were different back then. Times were different. What was acceptable in the seventies and eighties was a lot different to what it is now, and right. that's what I find really difficult to self-regulate in my brain. But anyway, mate, I'm really excited because the next few episodes we're talking 1987. What a fucking awesome year, especially for cars. Like, we're actually going to do a couple of Bible studies on 1987 issues of Street Machine. So if you haven't got any in your collection, go out and get a couple now. Well, can I just say that 1987 Street Machine, I bought the entire collection delivered via eBay to my house for 50 bucks. Yeah, you've got to be happy with that. Look, heads up, one of the issues we'll be doing is June 87. Yeah, cool, the one with the Corvette, the blind Corvette motor on the front. So that's something yep. we'll be doing in future episodes. But I guess to kick off, besides just asking how you're going, are you going well? Yeah, I'm going very well, mate. I'm, I'm looking awesome. forward to that's enough of that. Just joking. No, sorry, what are you going to say? <laughs> well played, you fucking clap, clap. <laughs> 87, is, it's, real, it's, it's a, bit shit for car, uh, a bit shit for music, but it's excellent for cars. We've got our friends that do the music podcast at conditioned mint but they call the 80s music they call it all ear doom <laughs> i pretty much agree but as far as cars it's awesome i fucking love 80s music so we're going to be giving the thong slappers listeners you know i guess opinions from both sides of the fence aren't we we certainly are and, uh, for anybody who's interested i'm wearing evil knievel boxer shorts oh stop man the subject about boxer is shorts. that is that because of all the skid marks or what <laughs> yeah i think I've, I've put it on instagram there's a thing at work and it drives me mental every time you look in the mirror there's a picture up that says you are looking at the person who was responsible for your safety. So I put a oh. fucking picture of Darth Vader up there. <laughs> but I changed it out last well week played. and I put Evil Knievel. <laughs> That's so cool. God, they must hate you at your work. You must have some, you know, pen-pushing person there who just would hate you. I, I, I made, a, right I made a, a video a couple of jobs back of how many decals, how many stickers there were in the toilet. There's the one that tells you if you're hydrated, the one that tells you how to wash your hands, the one that tells you how to clean up if you throw your toilet roll. There's the one that tells you safety's up to you. There's like five fucking things after even I'm taking a piss. And the thing they don't take into consideration is I've got my cock in my hand. So whoever writes in decals must think, who's my audience? Who's my audience? Oh, the guy with the dick in his hand. 
crazy. And especially if they think you are hydrating yourself well enough, you've actually got time to read because you're doing like an Austin Powers length whiz. Is that what is that what the goal is? Well, there's uh, what is there? They reckon there's eight liters of beer, so I'm fucking hydrate, man. I'm there pushing that hydration. Mate, kicking into 1987, our our year review, the Prime Minister was Bob Hawke. Now, do you want to take a wild stab at who was the Queensland Premier in 1987? <laughs> J.B. Peterson? He was. That was his 400th oh, year. Man, wasn't it just ridiculous? But the good news was that he was actually ousted the 1st of December of 87, replaced by Mike Ahern. So his reign was, was, re- was over. Who was he replaced by? No, exactly. No one would remember him if I didn't see it on Wikipedia. <laughs> and uh, one thing, actually, that I had completely forgotten about, but not for this reason, but for the reason I'll get on to. That year, the National Party actually did a push for Joe Bjorki Peterson to be the Prime Minister of Australia. They had those that whole big thing called Joe for PM. And that's not really what I want to talk about. But the part I do actually want to talk about is, you remember that TV show, Alf? Yes. From, yeah, love that show. Still makes me laugh. They had a thing like Alpha PM using the same stickers as what Joe did, but replaced the Joe with Alpha, which I thought was really funny. So, well, yeah, great show. Watch it with the kids. I love it. Funny thing about that is in uh, 87, I had a paper run. So I, I remember they put the, the Joe for PM stickers in that newspaper that we were delivering at that time. Ah. So I ended up... I end up with a heap of them. I bet you did. It's because you didn't actually deliver the papers. You just you know, chucked them down a frigging down the creek. And it was a big country town. Himself. We used to deliver the paper. And my friend Dathan Hard, he had a his dad had a four hundred four Peugeot, which is quite possibly the ugliest fucking car ever. <laughs> and we used to deliver it in that. And uh, man, I used to remember it was a column shift, four speed column shift. Fuck, it was an ugly car. But we used to deliver the paper. Yeah, it's uh, you know what I used to get twenty bucks. Saturday morning delivering them papers, a lot of money back in 87, especially when a carton of, uh, you know, remember throwdowns, VB throwdowns, a little... Yeah, yeah, I remember that. was 13 bucks, man. So that was awesome. I was set for the weekend. I could buy a Street Machine magazine for 2 bucks 80 and I could buy a $13 carton. It's funny you talk about that. If I could just add a couple of bits in before we move on. Like the Peugeot 404, there's nothing wrong with having a 1970s car which still retains 1950s styling, right? <laughs> right. And secondly... I actually, around that, oh, actually, it was probably a couple of years later, speaking of like earning good dollars, like my normal job when I was a teenager was every Sunday I'd mow the lawns at the Gap Squash Centre. I'd do like six or seven hours and get four bucks an hour or something <laughs> like that, which was pretty shit pay even for back then. Oh, right? yeah. But I got onto working through a mate of mine, Mick Wynn, G'day Mick. His dad actually had a lot to do with the Sunday Sun. In Brisbane, there used to be a paper called the Sunday Sun and the Daily Sun. And his dad worked there. And I got a job there on Saturday mornings doing the infill in the papers so you go into the valley at like five o'clock on a saturday morning and they'd have all the stacks of newspapers there and you know how you get like your junk mail and your tv guide and all that shit in the middle of the paper all right so we'd get a stack of newspapers open them up and you'd have like piles of all the different infills and you'd pick up all the stuff and jam it into the newspaper move it on and i was getting like 13 or 14 dollars an hour back in like about 89 that's big dollars yep fucking great money mate when you're you know still at school it was awesome money What'd you, spend, what'd you spend the money on? Probably chocolate and street machine magazines. I was about to ask you, what was the cost of a family-sized <laughs> Cadbury block? Remember that on 60 Minutes when somebody asked John Howard what a loaf of bread was worth, one of the reporters? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. And on that too, it was probably Nikov. Remember that really cheap? It was like a <laughs> vodka and orange, and you'd hang it from the um, clothesline and play Goon of Fortune at parties. <laughs> Nikov. Did you ever have that Nikov? It was cheap as and just would get you, like, spasticated. It was really, really strong. 
uh, when I was uh, probably about 1987, 1988, VB came on tap. Uh, yeah, oh. in New South Wales. So I mean, that's when I mean I was fourteen or fifteen. So I wasn't. I was definitely nowhere near the pubs. I was. I was too busy on high moral ground back then. Oh, I bet you were, especially in the country town. Now, speaking still just a little bit on politics, the Australia card was being bantied around the national ID card for all Australian citizens. That finally got wrapped up in 87 as not being a good idea. And uh, probably the most famous thing from 1987 from Bob Hawke, his, his quote, no child will be living in poverty by the year 1990. Do you remember that? I sure do. What, what year was Bob Hawke's last year? Um, I have no idea. It must have been... Well, I remember... Okay, just speaking of this... That was one of his election promises back in 87. So he did get re-elected, but I'm sure he must have still been in power in 1990 because when we clicked into 1990, I remember a famous cartoon from the Courier Mail was, it's got a picture of Bob Hawke. It's got a, like, it's got a voice balloon coming out of his bum. And in that voice balloon, it says, no child will be living in poverty by 1990. (laughs) So you know what I mean? It was actually really, really cleverly done. So he must have still been in power at least in 1990. I've, I've spoken before about how much I like satire, witty satire, and I think some of the political stuff is fucking excellent satire. Uh, there's some uh, some journal, uh, some cartoonists that do excellent stuff, and then fucking heroes that Charlie Hebron, mate, they pay for their fucking life for their fucking satire, and I, I really yes. enjoy satire. It's fucking great. Yeah, no, big time. That is the go. And some of it is so funny and so, like, wittily done, if I can make up that word. It's very cool. In August of 1987 was the Hoddle Street Massacre. A 19-year-old called Julian Knight actually killed seven people and injured 19. He was a former army officer cadet who got booted out of the army for... He had, he had like, a knife fight with someone. It was pretty bad. He's obviously pretty mentally unstable. And, um, yeah, a string of events led up to actually him going on that massacre and killing all those people. His girlfriend wouldn't talk to him anymore, and also his mum changed his room into a second lounge room. Apparently, that was just the shit, the straw that broke the camel's back. So, that was a very bad thing to happen, and even so many years later, that'd be really tough on all the families and the people involved with that as well. So, I don't know, it's these things that, at the time, you remember so vividly, and then when you look back, at holy shit, I remember that. It's sort of funny, the stuff that you dig up looking at different years. A big one also for 1987, I just remember this, especially because you and I both been red gum fans and the song i was only 19 this got a serious workout at this time was on the 3rd of october australia finally acknowledged the contribution of vietnam war veterans there was a welcome home parade held in sydney 15 years after the last soldiers had returned back to australia so that was very cool and i guess such a pivotal time and a pivotal change and such a great acknowledgement of the sacrifices these guys made it's a great line in that uh, culture oh how there were no V-Day heroes that's in 1973. It, yeah. I mean, they come back to a, a piss-poor reception sort of thing. Definitely. And that's entrenched in history. With that Cold Jizzle song, K-San, it is fully entrenched into history now. And some, some interesting stuff, if anybody's on Google. Look at the Battle of Long Tan. That was a, a battle in the rubber plantations where uh, the sappers bailed the guys out. Uh, the Australian National War Museum in Canberra is definitely a great thing you've got to go and have a look at. You need to spend two or three days there. It's, it's a great thing. The thing I really like these days is a lot of the primary schools will actually do trips to Canberra and Sydney in, I think, probably like grade six, grade five, like in the later years. Some of the schools actually do trips down there and, and get to see the War Museum, or the War Memorial, and all the Parliament House and all the really important places in Australian culture and history before they enter high school. We actually did that back in the 80s. We um, got sent down and we did like a, a school camp there. We sort of got stuck on a bus and the bloke drove through the night, probably 
hopped up to his eyeballs. He <laughs> drove straight to Sydney. Pound, no worries, pound. mate. Prisoner to Sydney, just fully, yeah, on it with a busload of school kids. And um, <laughs> we actually stayed at King's Cross in Sydney. So the teachers were pretty game, really, putting grade seven students, because grade seven was the end of primary school back in those days in Brisbane, holding up, yeah, that many grade seven students in the middle of King's Cross. It was fucking game. Especially, too, it was the middle of all the AIDS epidemic as well. So I think the shipping was... held out the windows was pretty bad. Yeah, it was just... you got to remember, all the universities in Australia during that time, marijuana was readily available and very cheap. 29th of December, 1987, a 19-year-old Kylie Minogue. She enters the charts with her first single, I Should Be So Lucky. Moving right along. (laughs) That followed hot on the heels of the neighbour's wedding between Scott and Charlene. That was 1987. Of course, they played the Angry Anderson song, um, Suddenly became a massive hit because of that. People still like fan clubs for that wedding and everything. The only thing I remember about that wedding, Jason Donovan had the fucking most epic mullet then. He had the full long down the back spiking on the top. That was like the mullet we all kind of dreamt of having back in those days. And, uh, oh, shit. Actually, something, Redmond, you'd be keen on. Do you remember he had a great song out probably a little bit after that time? It was called Calling. It was a song about, I don't know, it was kind of going on a bit of a thing about saving the whales. And the film clip for that song has him on like a, some sort of sailing boat, but the waters are really rough, like it's really choppy. If you or I or anyone else was on there, we'd be clinging on for dear life or we'd be vomiting over the sides going for the Hard Yakka Award, but not Angry Anderson. He is like standing on the front of this boat, steadfast chopping through the waves. So you wouldn't expect anything less i suppose yeah mate i absolutely rate angry innocent therefore rose teddy i reckon great rock and roll great guy absolutely stand up australian rock and roll artist for sure and going with a bit of the music thing there something that you'll be devastated by was that in 1987 countdown finished it was wrapped up because i know how much of a fan you are of countdown fuck no thank fuck good riddance Gee, Countdown finished. Fuck off, Countdown. Good riddance. You're either a Countdown guy or you're a Rage guy. Rage is still going. (laughs) Exactly. It's funny. They've had the same Rage theme since 1987 as well. How cool is that? Imagine if you were one of those people they chose to be on that opener and you still see yourself on TV like, what is it? How long ago is 1987? 30-something, 32 years ago? Yeah, so I don't mean to pull you up on your maths, but 1987 was... 462 years ago. Willie Nelson was 97. Oh, okay. My bad, mate. My apologies. But it'd be pretty cool to still see yourself on TV when you were young. You know, as long as you'd aged well, I suppose. But probably the most important news was that Thomas the Tank Engine aired on Australian TV for the first time on Channel 2. Hey, Mario Miller, who was guitarist for brilliant Australian musician and actor, John English. Mario Miller was the music director for that that Thomas the Tank Engine series. No shit. Well, you, you'll remember that the initial person who did the voiceover was, of course, from the Beatles, Ringo Starr. Oh, yeah, that's you right. Up. You know, the whole thing of, and Thomas said to the fuck controller, get off the tracks, you fat fuck. <laughs> remember that? He did not. He fucking didn't. <laughs> oh, he did in the version I saw. <laughs> you little ginger c- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I found John English album review in one of the old street machines I was reading the other day. Actually, I think it was one of the ones. Did I bring that up with me? I, I think, think so. I just flicked through it on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great musician. Unfortunately, passed away. First rock and roll gig I'd ever seen. First live gig I ever went to. Awesome. Hey, guess what? What? The beautiful St. Lucy has just come downstairs and given me a milky bar. Damn it. So The milky yeah. bars are on me. Just listen to this crack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> She's such a champion. Are you going to edit or, or get your credit card in and rack it up and snort? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Some much, are... just straight down. She's come downstairs wearing jeans. She's got leopard skin high heels on, and one of her, you know, she makes all that uh, Estella designs. She does all the costume wear, yep. like for Samba and all that sort of stuff. She's come downstairs like this awesome. You know, what was that chick's name? He used to wear all the fruit on her head. Miranda. Uh, Miranda. Carmen Miranda. Carmen Miranda. Walked downstairs with a Carmen Miranda headpiece on. Anyway, it's always something crazy happening here. Uh, 1987 music, Aerosmith. Dude looks like a lady. Oh, great song. Just, just something for us guys that predate the internet. You couldn't Google the lyric. So what's no. it sound like? So what's it sound like? Hang on, I've got a mouthful of milky bang on. That's not what it sounds like. So what's that lyric sound like when you don't know when you can't Google it? I actually don't know the answer to this. So sorry, you have to do, say it. Just do me like a lady. <laughs> Alex the Seal. <laughs> Alex the CEO. Some people know what we're talking about. Hey, um, speaking of music, you'll love this because she's assisted to you in the Ranger world. Nikki Webster, she was born. Old Strawberry Kisses, she did the music at the 2000 Olympics. You're a fan of hers, aren't you? Moving right along. <laughs> 1987 was only one year from uh, a really great supergroup hitting their hitting their peak, uh, Travelling Wilburys. Oh, really, was it? 1988, yeah. Bob Dylan, Jeff Lynne from Electric Light Orchestra, Roy Orbison, brilliant. Uh, George Harrison from the Beatles and Tom Petty. How is that for a band lineup, mate? Mm, fantastic. Yeah. Hey, just while we're on to music, actually, before we get to my little bit of music here, I just want to let you know we lost the America's Cup back to the Yanks over in Perth in 87. But do you notice that Australia completely lost interest in the America's Cup after that? All yeah. we give a fuck about is that we won in 83. Anything else, who cares? The Brisbane Bears, now called the Brisbane Lions, of course, they debuted in the VFL, which was the Victorian Football League before the AFL, uh, as did the West Coast Eagles. And the last New South Wales Rugby League Grand Final was held at the SUG. That was Manly versus Canberra Raiders. Sorry, Manly Warringah versus Canberra Raiders. They defeated them 18-8. to so, yeah, pretty interesting. A bit of extra music, mate. I really just need to, to jam in here. Guns N' Roses debuted Appetite for Destruction. It was released the 21st of July, 87. What a fucking great album. That's one of those albums I can listen to every single song and love it. And, of course, Def Leppard, they came out with Hysteria. Great songs on there. Rocket, Pour Some Sugar On Me, which is just... Is there a better song for some chick in a bikini to be suds washing a Pontiac Trans Am then pour some sugar on me. If you can find it, I really would like to know, but I think that's going to be the thing. It's funny, you sort of look at what those bands are up to and the lifestyles they were living, and there's all the, you know, the drug references and all the stories coming out. The best we had was probably like trying to sniff that photograph ink. You know, you get those like copies and when you're in school, they give you those photocopies with a photograph and they have that awesome smelling purple ink. Do you remember that stuff? Yep, it's like Mercurochrome. Yeah, exactly. The same thing, but the sad part for 87 Music, Door to Door, it was the last album for Rico Kasich and the Cars. That kind of flopped and they called it quits after that. It was a bit of a shame, but yeah. Mate, do you want me to do some movies? Um, my word. Films. Fuck, it was a massive year for films, 1987. Predator. Ro- hang on. <clears throat> I sound like a weirdo when I say P's and R's together. Let's say it a bit clearer. <laughs> I go Predator. I found like Elmer Fudd. Right. Wank, you got a wank, wank a wiener television. <laughs> <laughs> 1987. What an epic year for movies. You had Robocop. You had Predator. You had Lethal Weapon. The Lost Boys. Full Metal Jacket. 
well, I'm just going to say these ones. These aren't part of the epic I was talking about. Dirty Dancing, Three Men and a Baby, <laughs> but this is pretty cool. Planes, Train, Automobiles. And, of course, actually a favourite of yours, Good Morning Vietnam, and then there was La Bamba and Nightmare in Elm Street as well. I'm not too sure which number it was, but let's just call it 69 to make it easy. <laughs> oh, it's easy if you got the right grip. <laughs> exactly. Aussie Films, Running From The Guns. That was probably the big one for that year. That's actually a really good car flick. I've done a fanging flick story in this before for Street Machine Magazine. It featured John Blake. He was actually a guy going big places, John Blake. He um, sadly was in a, a really serious car accident not long after filming finished on Running From The Guns. And um, he died just recently, but he pretty much kiboshed his movie career from then on. It was also in the Anzacs, a miniseries with Paul Hogan and a heap of great Australian actors. Really brilliant coverage. Predator, the one-liners that came out of that movie, like, do it, kill me, I'm here, do it now. If we don't get what is it, if we get to the chopper, no, we stand and fight. <laughs> What's uh, the, was it Lethal Weapon 1? Yeah, it was, it's yeah. actually a gritty movie, to be honest. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it, it. I still it's enjoy it now. It's a, it became a bit of a success and it became a, what do you call it, when there's a few, a syndicate, uh, not a syndicate, what's the word I'm for? Franchise. franchise. Yeah. 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 But I yeah. think it was a fairly gritty movie. It was great when he's up on the porch and the guy's, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to jump. And he loses his shit. You want to jump? He fucking handcuffs him and jumps. Paul <laughs> <laughs> Gibson's a powerful actor, man. He's, he's mad, but he's a very powerful actor. Yeah. Well, that's why he was in Mad Max. Yeah, exactly. He's a great actor. Yeah. No. One thing we like always to do uh, at the Thong Slappers is vice versa. That's where we use the power of fiction. To you for our time machine. So if you could take something back to 1987, Simon, and bring something from 1987, what would your choices be? Okay, I'm going to just bring from 1987 to now a couple of things, actually. First of all, that's the year that Greg Carlson sold his WB ute, Blowing Silly. I would actually buy that ute and bring it to now, and I would build it. He sold it without engine and box, because the engine and box went into uh, the Silver Calais. Yep. So I'd buy the ute as a roller, and bring it back to 2019, and I'd probably basically build it exactly the same as far as the driveline goes, but I'd do like a, a, a Paul Sant ProFlow type of thing on the engine where I'd run uh, EFI with the blown... You know how he does those cool engines where they're blowing engines with like an injector hat, but they run on EFI? I'd do that so it would make it nice and streetable and just run it on 98 or something like that. That'd be high on my list to do. But the other thing I'd bring back from 987 would actually be, besides Yumbos, which I can do that for quite a few years yet, the other thing I'd bring back is a 1987 Buick GNX. Are you familiar with those cars, the Grand National? No. They were all black. This is back when, if you painted a car all black, as in bumpers and everything, it was just called painting it all black. It was before they called it Murdered Out. It was just a fucking really black Buick car. They ran, actually, a turbo and intercooled V6, of all things. But they were quick, mate. 13.5 is 102 mile an hour from the factory over the quarter, and 0 to 100 in 4.7 seconds. Putting out about 300 horsepower, which would be pretty good for a factory-built car, I reckon. Did they mang like all fuck? I really don't know. Look, I'd probably put a V8 in it. Who knows? I'll probably just leave it as it is. They look tough as. And if you're familiar with the Fast and Furious franchise, nope. the movie the movie, is just called Fast and Furious. There's no, like, this or there's no numbers actually in the title. But there's a scene at the opening of that movie where they're in the black Buick GNX and he's got to time it to not get rolled over by a tanker that's on fire and spinning <laughs> down the road. He's got to time it so they go under it without getting smashed. So... 
yeah, that's the go. That was probably another thing that I would um, bring back for 1987. What would you take back to 1987 from 2019? I'd actually most likely go back and change something I did for 1987. The most likely thing <laughs> I would do... No, sorry, I just can't say probably. I sound like Elmer Fudd. I'm just going to be drinking water. Hang on. I'll go probably. This is fun. I'm having fun, man. Mate, for this, I'm actually going to go back to 1987 and do a couple of things a little bit differently. First of all, in 1987, I sold my... uh, I had a Madison Taipan Phase 2 BMX bike, which I'd had quite a few years. I'd had it for probably 15 years. Maybe no longer. Got it in 1980. Oh, sorry, seven years. Yeah, so it wasn't as long. But anyway, what I do, I sold that to buy a mountain bike, and I always regretted it because I thought, oh, mountain bikes are the big thing. People were getting into them. And after having a mountain bike for a couple of weeks, I realized that I'm just not cut out to have bikes with lots of gears and mechanical componentry. I just love the rawness of having a BMX in single speed and just the stuff you do to it. So I, I regret that. I've actually bought a, uh, probably in the last year or so, I bought a Taipan Phase 2 frame. So I'm going to build a replica of that first bike. But one thing I wouldn't do is sell that bike. I'll definitely keep that bike. It's funny, going on from that, another big lesson I learned in 1987 was not to lend shit to people. I kind of, I don't know, I don't know how your experiences have been over the years, but have you lent stuff to people and it comes back fucked? I've probably been the other guy in this equation. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Well, see, what happened was, after I realised that I really wasn't cut out to have a mountain bike... I actually bought another Madison. It was just actually a friend of mine, Craig, he gave it to me, but it needed a full rebuild. So I got a Madison. It was an MXDR, like a 79 model BMX. I stripped it down. It was the black, factory black with gold. So it was pretty bad condition though. So I stripped it down. I resprayed it gloss black. I put yellow Skyway tufts on it with the yellow tires. And it was a pretty cool bike. It had like yellow cobra grips and pretty much just did the bike up to ride around. So I'd sort of mix my riding between the mountain bike and also this BMX but a guy I'd been friends with all through primary school and into high school he came up to me one day said hey listen I'm going away you know on like a holiday with it was actually another a mate we were friends with who like their family was going to the beach and he'd been invited along he goes listen he goes and he only did I have a skateboard he used to skateboard everywhere and he goes mate would I be able to borrow a BMX bike just to take away because we're going to do some riding up there on the you know the footpaths and whatever would you mind if I borrowed your BMX I'm like, oh, yeah, and it's kind of one of those things where we'd been mates for years and years, like through primary school and even into early high school. But as high school went on, you know, you kind of fall out with people, like they get other friends, and then you start thinking, hang on, I'm becoming the butt of this guy's jokes and this and that. But I thought our friendship was still good enough, so I lent him this BMX, right? And a week later, I've gone downstairs to go and do something. I opened the front door, and here's the BMX just sitting at the front door. Like, and I'd been home, my parents were home, the house is open, the BMX has just been left at the front door. I went, oh, shit, that's weird. Why wouldn't he come in and say hello? Anyway, I wheeled it into the garage to, to put it away. And, you know, when you have, like, a bike and the chain's really rusty, like, it's starting to squeak and carry on, the chain was making a bit of noise. And my old man said, oh, shit, he goes, what's going on there? He goes, you might want to chuck a bit of oil on that. So I flipped the bike upside down to oil the chain and fucking a frame full of salt water poured out of it. <laughs> 
He just, oh man, I was fucking so angry, eh? So I rang him, you know, I said, oh mate, you didn't come in and say good day. He goes, oh no, no, we're just busy, mate, I just quickly dropped it off. It was obvious that he'd been riding it into the surf, like through this, like to fill the frame to the brim with salt water. Like, I'm serious, all the tubes must have been full of water. And it's just leaked out of like the, the edges, like when you flip the bike upside down, it's obviously got the provision to leak out. And all this water's come out, salt water. And I said, you fucking me riding this bike into the surf, haven't you? He denied it and denied it and denied it. I ended up having to strip and rebuild the bike and all the bearings inside were caked and it was just a mess. So I stripped it down that night, flushed it out with uh, fresh water as much as I could, let it dry out. I repainted it, rebuilt all the wheels, redid all the grease and the bearings, replaced the bearings and the headset and the crank, like got this bike back to mint condition. But it fucking just, it just stung me, man. I was so fucking pissed off for so long so what I did was to exact my revenge because you know I kind of like to exact revenge on people they fuck me over took his, took did, his girl, did you take his girlfriend or blue like this guy <laughs> no and I didn't undo his front wheel either I promise <laughs> what I did do besides prank calling him for like the next three years because back it. because back in those days from a pay phone if you rang you could actually ring someone and if they picked up it'd go they go hello and the phone to cut out because you didn't put any coins in it yep. so we did that for about the next three years but what I did was and it kind of backfired a bit at school one day we were in grade 9 which was 87 we were in shop class we used to do the same shop class and I was really fucking pissed off like fucking no just I just felt like I'd been really hard done by. So I went to the Coles, which was next door, the shopping centre. I bought this massive gherkin. I rolled a condom <laughs> over the end of the gherkin. I stuck it in a school bag. Because back in those days, we had those backpack type. They're like kind of like an army bag. They're just like everyone had them. You'd have like your name written across the top flap. They were just like a, a backpack type bag. Yep. So he was famous for just having his lunch in like a Coles bag. Like his mum would chuck a sandwich and drink into it or whatever. So what I did was I stuck this gherkin with a condom on it. I stuck it into his actual Coles bag, like the lunch bag next to like a drink bottle and wrapped it up. So I was hoping he wouldn't see it. So I thought oh, he'll go home, chuck his bag down. His mum will take the lunch out and find this gherkin with a condom over it. Like it's fucking huge gherkin. Anyway, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the, the smartest thing to do. Like, his mum was a lovely woman. Like, it was probably a bit mean to do that to her. But it never got that far because as we're leaving that afternoon to go, he's opened his bag to chuck his, like, shop apron in there. And he's seen it. And was, I had it wrapped up in the bag, but it was quite a long gherkin. And he's pulled it out and he's standing there with his gherkin with a condom over the end of it. The thing was, everyone just started laying shit on him. His nickname from that afternoon became Gurkoff, like jerk off, but with the gherkin thing. <laughs> And he copped so much shit. That nickname lasted fucking years for him, basically, the rest of school. So that's sort of something that... I'm not saying I'd go back and change that, because I wouldn't. It was actually really funny, but that was just one of those things I remember clearly from 87. What about yourself? You are Satan. <laughs> I just hold grudges, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, my, my verse vice there, again, is voluminous. Uh Swear words. 1987, the swear words were better. Do you remember any of these? I'm going to take. I'm going to bring these swear words back to 2019. It seems that the word clap clap is far more readily accepted now than it ever was. Yeah, true. So these are the words that we were using as swear words. Buttwort. Remember that one? <laughs> no. It was a buttwort. You were a buttwort. We had a spazwank, a dick flop, a knobber, a goober, and a pecker. I remember Goober and a Pecker, yeah. yeah they, were, they were definitely the swear words. But um, uh, some of the other things, so if we were to walk into my bedroom in my, my wank palace, 
in '87. <laughs> I'll tell you what was on the desk because I've always been I've always been fond. My bedroom's always been my retreat. Always, and even when I bought this house, I used to have the door shut in my bedroom. It's my, it's my retreat. But um, so if you were to go into my bedroom in '87, these are things that you'll find on the desk. Binoculars. I had a set of binoculars. You remember the Rambo knives that came out in '87? You could open the back of them up and they had like a whoa, compass. Whoa, whoa. They had some. Whoa, mat- whoa, whoa. Hold up, hold up. Why the fuck did you have binoculars in your bedroom? Did you have like some hot neighbour or something you used to perv on? I don't want to answer that until I speak to my solicitor. You know, there's these historical charges that are coming out all the time. I don't want to be the fucking next one before it. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Mr. Rambo Knife. You can resume. Do you remember the Rambo Knives with the sewing yeah, kit in case, in case you got cut? You could, you could fix it up. There's a guy, anyone from New South Wales will remember this guy called Shanghai Charlie. Right. And he used to go. He had a semi trailer. He used to go around the showgrounds of uh, of Central New South Wales, not during the show, but he'd set up and he had all what I suppose is called a, what's the silly sollies and all that kind of thing. Before any of that became uh, in the shopping centres, this guy called yeah. Shanghai, Shanghai Charlie used to go around and set up in all the local showgrounds and sell shit, just rubbish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I bought my Rambo knife and my binoculars. I bought a set of binoculars from there, but. Um, also on that table is my Dick Smith Electronics kit. You remember them? Yeah, yeah, sure do. They, they were pretty cool. And a yo-yo. Oh, wow. Was it a Coke or Fanta? I can't remember, but all that's been replaced. Now there's just an iPhone, mate. Just a, just a dead set iPhone, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's not what I hear. I hear you've got a week old glass of lemon squash sitting on your desk with <laughs> fungus growing in it. Oh, Deb come in and goes... Why don't you take this glass out, Strato? She went, it was fucking Simon. And she goes, oh, oh thanks. <laughs> and she goes, oh, this seemed really nice. And took it away. I'm pissing myself. But what, <laughs> what was back, 19, back to 1987, is Tough Street. Ooh. So if I could go back to the 87 Nationals. Remember, the? Uh, I'm a big fan of the cardboard fantasy. Yeah, yeah. To explain to some of our younger listeners, at the summer nights, they used to have a cardboard fantasy. You could make a fake blower out of beer tins and and beer cartons, and you could put big flares on it. It suddenly became true. So at the summer nights these days, everything is blown and supercharged and huge and just out of control, big tubs and everything. So if I could take back Tough Street from uh, from 2000 2019 back to 1987, it would blow their minds. If I could take Frank... Uh, from Dandy Race Engines, take his ex-wife back and show Chris Christo, obviously the guy that owns HO775, go, mate, mm. look at this. This is what they're doing in 2009. He, his brain would melt. I would take my 24-inch BMX back. I, I, I'm the same as you. I've always been a fan of BMXs. All the gears, everything on mountain bikes, they're just too hard. It falls apart, whatever. I enjoy the simplicity and the steering geometry of the BMX, so I'd take that back. Agreed. Sunscreen. Back in 1987, sunscreen was like fucking white Vegemite. I'm a ranger. I'm a little ginger fuck. I'll give you that. But sunscreen back then used to be like white <laughs> Vegemite, eh? Oh, fuck. It was shit to put on, eh? It was like Wallpapier wall paint. Yeah. Oh. That's right. Also, I'd like to take... Um, I'd like to bring the milk section from Coles in 2000... And, uh, I beg your pardon, in 1987, bring it back and show the people in 2019 what the milk section was like. It was like, you've got bottled milk and powdered milk. <laughs> Yeah. What's the go with that? Now they've got, like, fucking milk that's not doesn't taste like milk for people who don't like milk. And you've got so much shit there. There's almost too much choice, isn't it? Oh, I, I can't do it. I, I, I just can't. I, I can't figure it out. Like, it's just way too much for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. No, that's I'm, cool, mate. You've got some big memories that you're dredging out of my memory banks right there. The last thing that I'd take, I'd bring, is a 1987 VL... HDT car that, that Rocky raced and won Bathurst under, uh, under disqualification. I'll bring it back and give it... To, oh, who would I give it to? 
Todd Kelly, one of them guys, Rick Kelly, I'd give it to them and go, hey, this is what the guys are racing in 1987. Peter Brock said that in 2000, he could have qualified the A9X in the top 20. Yeah, yeah so there you go. Yeah, I just want to take some cars, bring some cars back to these guys, say, hey, look, this is what the guys are racing back. And I love, there's no secret, I love the modern day V8 supercars. So, but yeah, I'd like to bring something back from there. And 87 was the last, uh, there's only two summers left in my childhood house. And then we all went different directions. But yeah, so. Fairly enjoyable time. You know, you're dead right. 87 was a great year. That was the year we went from, I guess, 13 to 14. Wouldn't have been two. 17, 16, 17. Three years left in my child home. I was, get out there and get it done, sir. Gornski. Hey, um, just lastly, I just wanted to tell you about some 1987 music, which you love so dearly, right? Kamal. Please say Kamal. I'm just going to give you the top 10 Australian 1987 music. The final countdown from Europe. Boom, boom, let's go back to my room. Paul Lakakis. Electric Blue from Ice House. Number seven, Walk Like an Egyptian from The Bangles. Six, You Keep Me Hanging On, Kim Wilde. Number five is Respectable from Mel and Kim. Number four is Slice of Heaven from Dave Dobbin with Herbs. That was the New Zealand National Anthem, I think. Number three, Old Time Rock and Roll, Bob Seger. Number two, Great Song, La Bamba, Los Lobos. Number one. Do you want to try and guess what the number one song was for 1987? Blocker Roach sings. Close. Kylie Minogue, Locomotion. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) In year 10, I was in a school band, and we actually played Electric Blue, Old Time Rock and Roll, and La Bomba. They were three of our songs, so there you go. Did you play it on a fife, or were you the drummer? I was the fucking world's shittest guitarist. Nothing's changed. Actually, a couple of good songs you'll enjoy for 1987 still. Number 25 was What's My Scene, Who to Gurus. Number 24 was Star Trekking from The Firm. But the one I think you'll dig the most, number 23, was Good Times. That was In Excess with Jimmy Barnes. Do you remember that? I fucking hate In Excess with a passion. But the thing about that... Oh, really? Oh, I fucking can't stand it. But the thing about that song, (laughs) if, if you listen to that song today... Barnsley is pushing uh, Mike. He really is. Like, Barnsley is – I really love the interaction in that song. Have a good listen to it with some headphones. Barnsley's pushing him, man. He's pushing him. Michael's falling short. He's falling short. He's, who the fuck, <laughs> except for Joe Cocker, is ever going to stand up next to Barnsley in a duet? Nobody, man. Tina Turner, okay. But nobody, no male vocalist is ever going to stand up to Barnsley. Johnny Farnham done it. I really like that song in the fact that Barnsley smokes him, man. Absolutely smokes him. Hand, like, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. You know, it's such a shame because, okay, I've got to ask you this question. Tell me honestly. I know you just said you don't like In Excess. You must like and love Don't Change by In Excess, don't you? No, I don't. I, really? It was oh, a, wow. yeah, it's I, a turning it, it was, point in our relationship as friends. And one thing I definitely hate, what's that fucking violin in that song by In Excess? Oh, I could fucking stab myself in the eye socket when they play. What's it? Um... And it told me for a thousand years, if I hurt you, baby, I'd make wine from your tears. I oh, hate um, that song. Two Worlds Colliding, Never Tear Us Apart, that song. Oh, man, that is the worst fucking song ever. I'd, I'd rather listen to Buster play the fucking saxophone after drinking <laughs> vodka in an interstate truck going to fucking Tasmania the back way. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to send you the YouTube clip of Don't Change. I want you oh, to thanks. listen to it for yeah, homework and tell me next episode what you think of that song. Just forget In Excess Singer. That is a fucking all-time great song, mate. Yeah, you've got to keep in mind, In Excess are a great band. I just don't like them. There's two different issues. <laughs> no, they are a great band. I just don't like them. They're not my... I like, uh, I like cultures. I like... Um, what's that, Granderson? 
Rose tattoo. I like fucking stuff. Hoodoo gurus, but man, any sesh, just do my fucking head in. Oh, fucking wow. dead set ear doom. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, maybe you prefer Touch Me, I Want Your Body by Samantha Fox. <laughs> How about that? That was 1987. Yeah, we're still She's talking about She's got the best set of lungs. She'd look great in a seatbelt. <laughs> more red than you. This is better. This is more you. The Lady in Red by Krista Berg, 1987 as well. <laughs> you know, oh, here I go again from Whitesnake. Fucking great song. Oh, if you're not air guitar to Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. If you can't drink enough piss to give your mate a hug while they're playing that, well, then you're a fucking piss ant. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, one of my favourite songs. This was actually 985, but I was still listening to it in 987, so I'm going to stick to it. Charlie Sexton beats So Lonely. Do you know that song? Is this no, another one I have? Hang on, hang on. You know what? Tell you what, I'm just going to play a bit of it now. You ready? Yep, go. Okay, so there you go. Now I do. Now actually, once you post it, I'll remember it. Yeah. What I'm going to do, I'm going to send you the YouTube for this film clip. If Charlie Sexton didn't have lung cancer by the time he finished playing this song and f- recording this film clip, I'd fucking be surprised. He's just chain-smoking the whole time. So if you see a photo of him now, like modern-day Charlie Sexton, he looks like he was chain-smoking the whole time. So anyway. He looks yeah. like he looks like Willie Nelson's ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that good. What other podcast uh, talks about Willie Nelson's ball sack as much as us? I don't know. G'day to our friends. G'day to our friends at Condition Mint. <laughs> hey, look, lastly, mate, before we wrap up this episode, I want to just put a shout out to a really fantastic page on Facebook. Yes, I did use the words fantastic and Facebook in the same sentence. And shout out. It's <laughs> Do a shout out. Do a proper shout out. Yell. Go. Hang on. Red Band! That was fucking lame as fuck. I couldn't be bothered standing up. I just leant back in my chair. It's actually a page. Now, people who get into the Thong Slappers podcast, it's probably right up your alley. So next time you're on Facebook, check out the page Thong Slapper the World for 253 Enthusiasts. It's a fucking great page. People doing up Thong Slapper 253s, whether it be Commodores or Holden Utes or whatever the case may be. Great page on Facebook. Shout out to those guys who run that. that do a great job, and it's definitely one worth chasing up if you're into that sort of stuff. Can I just read... I'll post this. The cover photo for their page is the like it's like an it's like a drawing of the rear of a Holden Ute with 4.2 on one side, and they have a bit of a blurb in the middle, which is like the page's um, mantra. The growling of a mighty 253 is enough to make any feral flee from the cam and extractors that make it throb to the full-on crackle of a twin hot dog. The music <laughs> of a, <laughs> the music of a working 4.2 will always piss on a Subaru. So well done, love it. Check out that page, Thong Slap of the World for 253 enthusiasts on Facebook, mate. Well, because uh, I don't have Facebook, I haven't seen that, but I love the little poem. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, big time. So I'll send you. I'll just send you that picture anyway and i'll post it up on our instagram for people who will forget what's called while you're driving and listening to us which i would do anyway so yeah so mate rounding at episode 31 as you notice we haven't spoken about a lot of 1987 cars because they deserve more time in the sun than we can give them this episode so the next couple of episodes we're going to be talking about some great 1987 builds stuff that you're going to holy fuck i remember that car and it is just such a a great time in australian street machining history and especially to us because that's the time when we were not old enough to actually own and drive our own cars 
but we were old enough to appreciate what was cool and what was tough and what it was going to inspire us further down the track. So, yeah. Hey, better do our thanks. Thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening to the Thong Slappers podcast. Remember, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us thongslappers at optusnet.com.au or check us out on Instagram at the Thong Slappers. Send us a direct message through that little triangle thing up in the corner of your app, uh, Redmond. Anything else you need to add, mate, before we chuff off? Uh, 87, man. I'm going to get excited. I'm going to talk so fast when we do that. I'm going to be like Bob Cottmell holding a throbbing big six-inch Morosso speed calculator, man. That 87 is right where I'm at. Eh? It's, it's going to be so exciting. I'm really, really looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, agreed. I can't wait. And especially to do a Bible studies on a couple of 87 episodes, that's going to be some serious, yeah, serious awesomeness right there. So, mate, big thanks. Uh, St. Lucy, Queen Deb, of course, Simon Telford at Street Machine Magazine, Anthony Redmond, thanks, mate. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk more 87 soon. Yeah, just thank you to everybody who listens, everybody who's on our uh, Instagram stuff, anybody who buys a sticker. Thank you to everybody. And give us a message, give us an email, give us whatever you want. We will get to everything. We're going to do it so much fun. Exactly, and thank you again, just to agree with Redmond there, thank you to everyone who sends us stuff. We get so many cool photos, whether they're burnout photos when you're 17, or just stuff that people are seeing out and about on their travels. We really try our best to get all of that stuff put up on our Instagram page, so keep sending them in. If we don't do it straight away, please know that we're going to get to it as soon as we can. We've got a bit of a list there. Cheers to everyone for making the effort. We want to acknowledge that effort that people are doing for us, so thank you. It's fantastic. Something that I'm quite passionate about that we've mentioned before that I need to just do a thank you to the uh, people at 29 Narang Street, Lidcombe, 2141. Uh, the <laughs> rules of the two is new. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We were sharing some toolies in the podcast when we were recording episode 30. <laughs> How much fun was that, mate? That was honestly so. And we, we, we didn't have to look at each other. It got all weird there. I'm like... <laughs> It was strange, but it was funny in doing that too. Like, when we're recording here, if I'm fucking around, if I'm, like, checking out Google and something or if I'm, you know, colouring in something like that or flicking through a magazine, I'm doing that. You can't see me doing that, so that doesn't disturb you. But when we're in the podcast all together, I'm, like, taking selfies and doing stupid (laughs) photos of us, and I'm, like, fucking with your brain at the same time. So the, I really the, apologize for that, mate. The crab stick farts, that was about the end. Yeah, because I'm, I'm normally Australia's first and only dedicated streetcar farter in the podcast. Man, your farts were fucking rank busted. He's like, fuck this. Little Jack Rust, who uh, known for good farts, he left. He's like, fuck this. Hey, nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned crop dusting, mate. You loved it. <laughs> I'll crack open some 87 volt, and we'll definitely talk more cars in uh, episode 32. I'll speak to you then. <laughs> Take care. Love to everybody, mate. I've got to go and find something now for St. Lucy that I think I've lost, so wish me luck. Don't fucking blame me. I'll try not to, but it's pretty (laughs) hard when I'm the only one here.